June, and welcome to Fringes, a no-frills kind of podcast where I talk to trans and gender non-conforming Jews about our experiences with Talitot and Tzitzit. Talitot are, essentially, Jewish prayer shawls, and Tzitzit are the knotted fringe on the end of them. For deeper definitions, check out the first episode. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing someone who, for the purposes of this podcast, is known as Pidge. They will introduce themselves. Sure. Uh, my name is Pidge. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm a reformed Jew, and my pronouns are they, them, and he, him. Uh, that's kind of it. Awesome. Um, well, I guess I, I start with everyone I've interviewed so far. I've asked just, like, the first things they remember about Atalus. Um, cause I'm just, I'm just curious to know where we first remember them. So what are your first memories with them? I think first memories would be probably when I used to go to, there's an Orthodox or conservative shul that we go to up in New York with, uh, with some, uh, non-nuclear relatives and, uh, I can vaguely remember being there and having my dad's talus draped around me and uh, braiding the talus strings together that seats eat. So that's kind of the first I remember of it in general. Uh, when I started realizing this sort of, uh, when I learned the kind of religious connotations of it was probably... Uh, when I was about 12 before my B'nai Mitzvah. Yeah. Did somebody like sit with you and teach you about it or? Um, like yeah, was... we have a fantastic cantor who helps train kids for B'nai Mitzvah. And uh, I was, it's, it's, there's a, I mean, there's obviously the blessing that you say over it at, the B'nai Mitzvah, and that was, there was kind of an explanation of it there. There was also one given to me by the Talis shop owner. Wow. Where did, so you got one for your B'nai Mitzvah? I did. There, there's a shop in, God, I think it's Brookline, uh, a traditional Jewish shop that uh, I went in and I, looked at they had racks and racks of talitot and i picked one out from there wow how did you decide which one you wanted um i wanted a less traditional color scheme so i started off by looking at ones that weren't uh white and blue and then i filtered out the ones that weren't all black and i ended up finding one with a really pretty dove motif on it um it's yellow it has 
gold and white and orange stripes. Uh, and it has these cute little golden glittery doves along the borders. Uh, and I thought that went really well because uh, my real name uh, vaguely translates to dove in a language I'm not going to say because that'll definitely give my real name away <laughs> and out me to everybody, but I thought Amazing. it was fitting. Yeah, that's very beautiful sounding. Um, do you, how do you, do you wear it if you go to services now or do you wear it in any other circumstances now? Um, I mostly wear it at services where I know there's going to be a Torah involved, like, uh, like Rosh Hashanah celebrations and Yom Kippur, uh, B'nai, other B'nai Mitzvot, stuff like that. But I mm -hmm. do wear it from time to time in everyday services, like. Friday night services, stuff like that. Yeah. Did you, like, did you have an understanding for yourself when you were being B'nai Mitzvah that you were non-binary or trans or whatever word you use for yourself? I'm sorry, I didn't ask before I asked the no, question. No, it's fine. Uh, I use non-binary as a more specific term, but I do consider non-binary a part of the trans community so i can use either interchangeably really um sure. i did have an understanding of that yes uh i wasn't really out and i was still trying to figure everything out um i wasn't sure if i was gender fluid or if i was just questioning or what was going on but i knew that i wasn't completely the gender i was born in at that point yeah. Did that feel like it affected, like, did knowing that feel like it affected what you looked for when you were trying to find a Talis? A little bit. Um, I didn't want anything, I mean, obviously I didn't want anything with, like, overly specific gender connotations. Like, there was one I looked at that was vivid pink and the text along it read something along the lines of, Our beautiful child. And I was like, hmm, maybe not for me. Mm. Uh, but apart from that, I don't really think it affected too much of it. I just, yeah. Yeah. How does it feel when you wear it now? Um, It feels comfortable and it feels kind of safe. Like I can just, like, you know when you pull a really soft blanket around your shoulders and you can just kind of hug yourself with it? it it's... I'm aware it's not a great analogy and that I'm struggling for words, but it it's kind of a safety object at this point, I guess. Yeah. Does it... This is a big question, but I guess what does it make you feel safe from? Um, just the world in general. Like, it kind of... I use it as almost a barrier like uh how you're supposed to associate certain things with certain situations i kind of associate my talus with okay we're out of everything now we're in a quiet temple at this point everybody's going to be quiet and respectful and i'm not going to have to deal with the stress of daily life you know so mm -hmm. it's kind of like 
it's it represents a barrier for me from the stress of the real world i guess yeah and it's yeah and it brings you kind of into a different real world i guess yeah uh yeah you're right it probably real world might have not been the best word like uh like the non-secular world (laughs) question mark question mark question mark the non-goyim world sure i mean it it is a separation and it's interesting to me that judaism like uses a piece of clothing so like i just Mm -hmm. i guess i'm fascinated by how um people use clothing in general um Mm -hmm. and yeah, the, that we've got this like shawl blanket covering thing um, mm-hmm. to to remind us of things that are holy is really it's just very fascinating to me. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we tend to. Okay, I was going to go into a thing about how society uses different objects to demarcate different places, but that's completely re- irrelevant here. Um, but it's it's kind of nice almost that instead of using something that's really difficult to get, it's just, well, it's it, I say just, it's an item of clothing that we use to represent ourselves that can be so easily customized. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, I guess that kind of leads me toward, I think there's a, there's a lot of creativity that's possible with a talus as an object. Like mm-hmm. the, the rules, the halakha around it is really like, mm-hmm. well, it's supposed to have four corners and you're supposed to tie these fringes onto it and. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's not that much that um, that you need to fulfill the commandment, like the mitzvah. Yeah. Um, so it can, and we have these very gorgeous, fancy talitot or really traditional ones or really, mm-hmm. what you know, all these different ways. But, you know, somebody could sit at home and make their own mm-hmm. super easily and it would be just as valid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever think about making your own or what you would what you would make for your ideal talus? I've considered it before. Um I considered it when I was looking at the process, but it was well, A, it wasn't an option that my parents gave me, which is honestly fair because <laughs> I at no time have ever had the free time to do something like that. Um, but also, I don't, at this point, I've found that I've grown pretty attached to my current one, and I don't know that I want another one. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, an ideal talus would. I don't know what material my current one is made out of, but it would ma- be made out of something that's not so... It, my current one is very slick to the touch, which is not 
the ideal texture for me, mm -hmm. which is a stupid thing to want to change, but it's... I think that's the only thing I changed about it, is making it slightly nicer to the touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Have you ever, like, in your Jewish community, are there people whose talitot you admire or who have taught you things about how to wear one or to feel safe in one? Oh, yeah. Um, my dad uh, introduced me to the concept of a more triangle-shaped talus, which I really enjoyed but didn't end up being able to find one, which is a little disappointing, but ultimately okay. Um, I also have a friend who made a gorgeous uh, rainbow-themed one that, well, I say rainbow-themed like it's like they're draping a massive pride flag over their shoulder, <laughs> which is not true, but it's um, it's got these really pretty intricate rainbow designs they hand-weaved into it, which I admire very much the dedication and the talent that that requires. Um, honestly, the f my class of my, my grade of Hebrew school students seems to have like as we seem to have kind of learned that we can have. Oh, did I just cut out? Okay, good, great, because my computer turned off. Uh, oh. <laughs> we seem to have learned that we can kind of have what we want if we make it ourselves. Um, so a bunch of us did end up customizing ours. Uh, and I didn't, but I like mine anyway, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think I've, I'm so curious about like, well, I guess I know that, like, I got a talus that I don't relate to at all now, mm -hmm. because when I got it, I didn't really understand very much about my gender or what I would maybe have wanted in the future. Um, mm -hmm. So if future EJ was not super happy with 13-year-old EJ's choices. Um, and I've wondered, I guess, like, would I make, uh, what kind of decision I would have made if I'd maybe known more about myself at that period of time? Hmm. Um, and would I, like, uh, I think part of my pursuit with this podcast is trying to understand how it is that people especially trans people feel connected to their Jewish ritual objects and mm -hmm. and connected to their talus and like what makes them feel those things um yeah and um and for me it was largely that um well I knew what my favorite colors were and <laughs> I knew what I was trying to spread which was I wanted people to see me and think I looked happy and looked approachable, which is 
I mean, I, my fashion sense right now is a lot of black clothing, which means a lot of people think I don't look approachable at all. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that I'm not remotely photogenic doesn't help with that, obviously. But uh, the, I feel like I kind of saw the yellow talus and it's, it's a very bright, like very saturated, but pale yellow um in a very sunny color and i felt like it i could kind of use it to broadcast a message to others as well as myself because like i can look at it and it makes me feel happy you know yeah yellow is such a good color it is yeah i've i've almost never seen anyone in a yellow talus that's very bold and special um yeah do you feel like there are any questions that I'm like not asking like there's anything you know um, about yourself that I don't know about you <laughs> hmm. well I mean I did almost make the very brash thing the very brash decision of coming out during my uh b'nai mitzvah <gasps> what yeah i i was actually going to i was there's a part of our service that we do in our synagogue where we have this whole speech planned as to how we have interpreted our torah portion mm -hmm. and i had a whole thing planned out that how I would end it with a very dramatic coming out statement, which I now realize was a very bad idea at the time, as it would have made the day about my sexuality and my gender instead of about my accomplishments as a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. And uh, my cantor and my rabbi ended up talking me out of it, which was probably the right decision on their parts and it was a very impulsive decision on mine but that was it was an interesting decision on 13 year old me's part sure what a public venue well yeah <laughs> <laughs> dang do you f i i get the impression from from you that your Jewish community is like very that you share a lot with them and that they're pretty supportive. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Um, well, my cantor is lesbian or possibly bisexual. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but she has a <laughs> wife and our rabbi is a woman who has, um, which is always v very, you can kind of tell the environment that a synagogue is in by their staff, by their clergy. Um, if they've got, you know, several old men who are very, very, who are crotchety and talk exclusively about, about Torah and about Talmud. I mean, obviously, that's a, it's fine. It's kind of what 
a temple should it, it's what a temple it, it fits the purpose of a temple well but it's always nice when you know that you're that you can come to your rabbi and your cantor and your clergy and teachers for like help and for counsel um but yeah they've always been some of the most open-minded people i've ever known and some of the kindest too (laughs) (laughs) that's really really lucky and amazing yeah um i think that's i mean in my head that's really what you know a rabbi should be there for and what a cantor and clergy should be there for Um, exactly um and it's been really nice having a place to go. Our Hebrew schools are tradi- our Hebrew school traditionally meets on Wednesday. I wasn't able to go today because of an audition, but um, it was it's it's always really really nice to have that little island of peace in the middle of my week, you know. Yeah, that's very. I feel but, like I'm. Well, what were you going to say? But many of our, uh, many of the other classmates that I have are transgender and they, they've managed to make a way for B'nai Mitzvot to be B'nai Mitzvot and not exclusively Barbat Mitzvahs. In your synagogue writ large? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's fantastic and I'm very lucky. I feel very blessed to have an accepting synagogue. Yeah. Wow. Wait, how did your synagogue come to that? Um, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I mean, I joined when I was nine, and before that, I mean, we, we still had our fantastic lesbian cantor. We had a different rabbi who was also fantastic. Um... Uh, he was very good with kids, which I feel very thankful that I had that kind of influence on my life. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know too much about the history of our synagogue. Um, I know we got it off of a family and that it used to be a proper house. Wow. But Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's really exciting to hear that. I'm. It makes me want to talk to the. I grew up in the reform movement as well, and it makes me want to talk to my old rabbi and see what what they're doing or if they're talking about if they've had B'nai Mitzvot called that or what you know what they're experiencing now, because um, it definitely I'm only 24 but it wasn't that way when i was there for sure mm-hmm. um yeah that's amazing yeah honestly i feel really thankful and really blessed to have a synagogue that's that accepting and that makes talit and the name it's vote and all that kind of just another thing that trans teens can experience without feeling so left out. Yeah. And so 
am am I hearing from you also like um just not really experiencing a feeling of feeling left out um I mean not at synagogue no I mean <laughs> there's always you know school putting they they were like oh yes we're being inclusive and putting gender neutral bathrooms we're putting them as far away from the classes as we can physically put them <laughs> uh. so I mean it's nice to be accepted at synagogue even if I can't like e even if I I still have to deal with the whole whoopsie school isn't gonna be super inclusive of you or even that inclusive at all you know yeah definitely definitely it makes me feel pretty like proud of your synagogue for for making a space that feels that way to you yeah um yeah that's amazing um yeah i guess i feel like we've we've answered a lot of questions um one like one thing we haven't talked about i'm curious if you've engaged with at all is like um have you heard of a uh, talit katan i don't think so no they're like they're the if you've ever seen like orthodox men they're the vests that go under like the undershirts that have tzitzit tied on the ends oh yeah yeah i've seen those yeah um i just i know of many trans people who choose to wear those like not because they're orthodox or maybe they are but also just as kind of a tool of gender expression um and like being able to wear tzitzit in a style that's a little bit um and that feels more gender affirming to some people um oh. or to be able to wear tzitzit every day um and i guess i was just curious if that was like on your radar if you'd ever thought of that before if you've done it before i hadn't heard of it actually before just now um I don't think I'd ever consider it. It's, uh, I think it's a fantastic idea for those who, uh, find for those who find themselves on that side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm content to leave the tallest and the seat seat as, uh, as a something that I reserve for special occasions and for temple and stuff like that. Um, and I'm content to not go around with that under my clothes because I don't know that I feel safe in my school environment to do that. Um, yeah. not, not because I'd get bullied or harassed or anything, but because I'd end up which I know I'm very lucky that I wouldn't have to deal with any of that. But I feel like I'd be fielding a lot of questions and a lot of people going, well, why are you doing it anyway? And a lot of criticism, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I'm lucky I wouldn't have to deal with anything physical, I hope. But I don't know. I don't think I'd ever consider it, but I, 
absolutely find that a valid form of self-expression. I think that's fantastic that people are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I was just curious because it's another, uh, just like a different avenue of, of uh, approaching Mm -hmm. the seat seat um yeah do you have any like lingering thoughts or feelings or insights um not really as a species we don't uh i don't know as a species we don't spin around in circles enough that's my lingering thought Like physically spin around in circles? Yes. I, I give you that. I don't think we do it enough. All right. That's my lingering thought slash insight. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Fringes, my passion project supported by Adva Designs. For more definitions, as well as a transcription of this episode, please check out the show notes on our website, advadesigns.com slash fringes episode two. That's A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S dot com slash F-R-I-N-G-E-S-E-P-I-S-O-D-E-2. As always, the interviews I do and the stories I get to share through this podcast cannot possibly capture the breadth of experiences in the world. I'm inevitably leaving people out. That said, this project is growing. If your story feels left out and you want to share it, please reach out to me at emma at oddvaddesigns.com, E-M-M-A at A-D-V-A-H-D-E-S-I-G-N-S.com. This podcast is coming out on a bi-weekly basis. A big thank you to my producer, Sarah Resnick, and to Home Despot, genius of the guitar and voice who made the music. Thank you for listening. See you in two weeks wherever podcasts can be found.